Hey everybody, Jay Shlansky here from the Fifth Trooper Network. I just want to take a moment to thank you for checking out this show. Did you know that over at thefifthtrooper.com we have tons of other content, including blogs, other podcasts, all kinds of stuff. In addition, if you want access to exclusive content, you can join us on patreon.com slash thefifthtrooper and join at any level and you'll get access to uh, exclusive blog articles, access to our private Discord, and much more. So please, Check us out, and thank you so much for all your support. Welcome to the Notorious Scoundrels, a Star Wars Legion podcast bringing you the latest news, general perspective, and competitive discussion. Hello and welcome back to the Notorious Scoundrels podcast. I'm here with Mike and Tim. What's up, gentlemen? Hey. Hello. It's another Monday. We're, yep. we're, we're back in action, ready to go. I don't feel terrible, so um, awesome. A, a plus for me. Yep. And it did... Sorry, Tim. Go ahead. I said I've recovered from my holiday of frolicking around the country, so... Uh, it did snow in DC today, which it was did. exciting. A little <laughs> bit of it was expected <laughs> to snow tomorrow. I know you're like it's always snowing up here. We got just, just for some perspective, Tim. It snowed. I don't know, a tenth of an inch, maybe. It was a little more than that. I'd okay. say I'd say it was about an inch over a the course more, of the day. A little more than that. My local game store sent out a memo saying everybody don't come in. The roads are bad. We're gonna be done for the day. Just we, just for some perspective. For 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 some other perspective, we had a day where uh the people who were at, at my house were at my house, the people who were not were not, and there was no exchange of that. The roads were had so much snow on them that trucks couldn't get through. Yo, speaking of trucks not being able to get through, I'm not going to give any spoilers and stuff, but the new True Detective, pretty good. Highly recommend. It's called Night Country, and it's based okay. in Alaska. The premise is that it's like it takes place during um, like Alaska's long night in the winter. Like it, it, it's yeah, like when, when it's, when like it's 20 hours or whatever. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, I guess in the winter time, it's like you know, it just goes, the sun goes down and doesn't come back up for like three weeks. Um, you should watch it. A plus. All right. Snowy. Keep, keep it in mind. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, mm, it's supposed snowy. to snow more actually tonight. The kids have school off tomorrow already, so. Oh, there you go. <laughs> I know Tim is like. Look, I grew up in Chicago, Tim. I feel you. But yeah. they just they don't have the infrastructure around here. We don't I, have enough plows. We don't have enough salt. It's the, mainly a salt issue, I think. It's yeah. not really the plows. I mean, I guess it's, it's tough both. to get the salt on the roads without the plows. But, right. you know. Yeah, it's both. So, like, two to three inches of snow does genuinely make driving conditions, like, very unsafe. We also don't have, like, you know, people don't have chains for their tires. Not everybody has, like, a four-wheel drive car. Yeah, 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 so. yeah. I you know, my head understands, my heart just laughs. Yeah. Um, we we had a bus driver at our school who, there was one time where she had to tell everyone to brace and then gun it for half a mile at a drift to make it through. <laughs> uh, that I'm gonna be legit. That sounds. Um, that sounds like a uniquely Canadian experience. No, I mean that that just doesn't sound like something you should be doing with a bus full of kids. Oh, that's like. that's not even the worst thing she did. She also hit a deer once and it wasn't actually like it was like mortally wounded but not dead yet. So she took the fire axe out. Oh. <laughs> yikes. That's a big yikes. Out the the biggest yikes I've ever seen a bus driver do and sorry to any bus drivers listening to this episode. <laughs> We're about to just rag on you for 5 minutes. Uh, but like there was a kid like throwing a backpack up like and it kept on like just like, going into the rearview mirror. Yeah. Right? <laughs> like like every, I'm like, sure that would seconds. be annoying. Yeah. I'm sure it would be too. So the bus driver just like slams on the brake, puts it in park. 
grabs the kid's backpack, just like turns around and hurls it. And it's hilarious because as he hurls it, he hurls it straight down the aisle and it hits the uh, fire extinguisher, which starts blasting <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> and and we had to evacuate the bus, so they had to bring us a new bus. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty amazing. Yeah, yeah, it was awesome. <laughs> wow. All right. Uh on that note, let's talk about some Legion. Yeah. I don't know if any bus drivers play Legion, but Oh, I'm sure there's I'm sure there's a few. Yeah. If you're out there, look, you guys got a tough job. And girls. You gotta drive and deal with a bunch of shit kids. Yeah. I think <laughs> I my favorite it. bus driver story is there was like a somebody actually hijacked a bus. This was down south somewhere, but they hijacked a bus. There were a lot of like younger elementary school kids on this bus, and the dude was armed. And uh, after I don't know exactly what the time period was, but it was not very long. He stopped the bus, and he kicked all the kids off the bus. You know, like his initial plan was to take him hostage, but they were asking him so many questions that he would just got so annoyed that he stopped and kicked them all off. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gonna try and sell the bus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's like, I guess, especially the kindergartners, and I have kindergartners, so I can vouch. It's like, I mean, the questions are just rapid fire. It's, as soon as you're done answering one, the next one is, is yeah. coming. And if there's 30 of them, you know. Yeah, I just can't, you know. Uh, I wish I, like, it's, when the kids have a captive audience, they just will not stop. Yeah. I feel bad for people when I fly on planes. Usually they talk to us, but sometimes they talk to like the people next to them. And I wish I had a clicker for like every time they asked a question because it would be in the multiple hundreds on like merely an hour and a half to two hour flight. It's just literally like every five seconds. Click, 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 click. All right. <laughs> anyway. Look, they don't know anything. It's the world, you know? Um, okay. Legion, right. Uh, so this weekend we have Las Vegas Open. Which unfortunately none of us are going to. No womp womp. Yeah. Though I think uh, we were we were all were in the top four last year. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, the, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> <laughs> the three of us and Evan, right? Evan Paul? Yep. Yeah. 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 Um <laughs> I remember us because we we all went out to eat get food before like the final four games. And it was just the four of us sitting at a table and it's like, oh, it's like a fifth trooper staff meeting. Um yeah, so unfortunately, none of us going this year. There are, of course, lots of other people going. So we wish you the best of luck. Uh, we can do some quick predictions. We can also plug the stream, which I believe is on the Yavin base. It is on Yavin base. You can find it. I believe it'll be live streamed on YouTube. I don't think uh, the live stream is on Twitch anymore. Um, so you can find him at uh, David Zlenka at youtube.com slash uh, at Yavin base. Um, and uh yeah, check it out. It'll be good. That's yep, January nineteenth through the twenty first. Yep, I'm excited. LVO kind of like, you know, the the last the last hurrah, the big thing before worlds. So hey, now, pretty sure I'm going to Cherokee. Okay, so that's fair. You you temper yourself. <laughs> we're we're East Coast pride these days, my man. Well, I mean, we're contractually obligated to not support uh, the person running that one. It's Ryan. Oh. I love Ryan. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Ryan's Ryan's cool. I like. Ryan. I love Ryan, but we like danger yeah. zone, Tim. Danger zone. <laughs> I, 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 I said that poorly, but I, 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 I it's a the friendly podcast rivalries. Yeah, it's a stabcast joke. That was a poorly made stabcast joke, Tim. Yeah, got to work on those. Well, you know, it's been a long freaking day. So All right. Anyway, LVO, biggest tournament on the West Coast. So good luck to everybody. You guys got any like quick? Predictions, obviously, not much has changed. We haven't had any releases or like big meta shakeups since PAX, really. But, um, worth noting that I'm pretty sure Geonosians will be legal. Um, whether yes. people can get them street legal for the tournament and turned around, uh, by the night, I believe the street date is is the street date the 19th. I think it is the yeah. 19th. Yeah. yeah. So unless people got them early and assembled and painted them, um, I you know, I suspect we won't be seeing any Geonosians. Uh, or but... or got or get proxy approval. 
I I'm pretty sure uh proxies are not being allowed oh, based yeah. on based on what I have seen. Okay. Uh I, it's possible that that's not the case, but I'm pretty sure I saw Jordan mention it in uh the LVO chat on Discord a few times that uh the real official models would need to be used if you're running geos. Yeah. I will say that you know it's it doesn't feel quite like an Ewok situation where you're gonna need to paint like a whole army's worth of them to to field them in a way that's relevant. I um you know you that's could fair. you could easily slot Geonosian slot pretty easily in even smaller numbers into like a quote unquote normal separatist list. So I could see people painting up like a squad or two and I, just throw them in there. I also think their paint jobs are like to get a reasonably good paint job it would be pretty quick. Yeah, you can definitely contrast paint them and like them yeah. Yeah. paint the wings or something, right? Um, but will be notable that this is the first, I think, legal tournament that yes. they'll yeah. be uh, eligible to partake in. So. They're, yeah. they're like legal with an asterisk tournament. <laughs> yeah, L legal but difficult to get on the table in so, time. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Um, so yeah, we'll see. I uh, I expect we'll see some some more Yoda success, some more Republic success generally. Um, I expect to continue to see Empire struggling. <laughs> I don't know, um, man. This next tournament we're going to talk about, they did they did pretty well. Well, <laughs> Finn Finn is a, uh, I mean Finn is, I think. He's not well. He's number by one by one. by right. Yeah, by Elo <laughs> measurement, he's the best player in the world. So, um, I'm sorry. They just have so many tournaments over there. They did. They, they have a lot. And it's the same thing with like. I mean, you see the UK players taking a huge uh, increase also, and they just happen. They just play so many games in Europe. But there's a lot to be said for playing a lot of games for like from a. I think they just discipline perspective. <laughs> there is. They play a lot of tournament games. I'm not sure they actually play more games than a lot of us. I think they just play a lot more games in a tournament on, on the record, you know. Right. Which is yeah. still not nothing, you know. No, no, game, no. But, no yeah. totally. must, so, must be nice to have tournaments every weekend. That's all I'm yeah. saying. Yes, it must be really nice to go to like not have to stretch to make it one tournament a year. But... <laughs> anyway, the <laughs> So I guess there, there's two follow-on topic items there. The first is that ELO has been updated for the first time in a while. Um, and it, it should be monthly updates from now on. I, I'm not involved in this process, so I don't want to like speak for these guys. But my understanding is that it will be more regular than it has been, basically. Um, so yeah, I don't want to make promises for something that I have no control on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have I have heard that they will at least be more common than they were. So, uh, yeah, the new number one is Finn. Uh, it's no longer me, <laughs> um, as it was on the last update. I um, I think I went down to like number four. Or you are number four. Okay. Yeah. Yep. That's cool. fine. <laughs> um. So and then Luke Cook is still up there, number two or three. Um, number two i don't know who, who, do you know who za is? i don't know if za is the way to pronounce it but tza is, is that no i don't that is who is ranked number three now i don't okay sorry sorry if that's like i don't i, I i'm that name is unfamiliar to me well listeners if you know who that is let us know because i'm curious i was because like I can pretty much go down the list of like one to 50 and like, I know who like almost all of these people are even internationally. Um, yeah. But, but that, that one, I don't know. Yeah. Lila Claire made it all the, all the way up to number five, which is a pretty big increase from last time, I think. So um, yeah, I mean, go check it out. If, if that's something you care about, I know a lot of people are like, you know, whatever, Elo. but uh, you know, it's just a fun sideway to like you know rank people based on tournament results but yeah um yeah so that is on our website the fifth trooper.com you can find it under the the tools drop down i think um oh. or you can just search star wars legion elo and you'll get the same place so yeah it is in the tools drop down so yeah <laughs> um yeah so then nordics which we alluded to uh 
We, we were talking about Finn. Finn did not win the event, but he did go five on one with Palpatine double dark troopers. Is that right? Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Um, I'm super curious. And, about and that. I just want to shout him out even more here because he is a fellow member of the Church of Force Guidance. Uh, yeah, he's got guidance on Palpatine. I see that. So <clears throat> for all you doubters out there, it's even it's even not it's good on units other than Yoda, you know? Man, them force powers these days. Yeah. Um and I see the case for it. I mean, dark troopers are very surge hungry, mm -hmm. right? Particularly for defense, because they can't really there's basically no way to like support their health pool in in the same way that you would with other units right you can't repair them you can't you've got to them. proactively support their health pool right right um which but, i think is fine for balance reasons personally i find that boring for like mechanical reasons sure you know i'd rather they were like less ridiculous and also able to be supported by other units but um anyway it is what it is so surge is super important on dark troopers so i can definitely see why guidance is relevant here and of course, pull the strings on a dark trooper unit is amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty good, turns out. So why why only shoot two times a turn? You can shoot three. Yeah, exactly. And or just an extra move to get them up the field quicker. Yep. If that's what you need to do. So um, yeah, I think this is super interesting. Obviously, this was a pretty popular thing back when they first came out because you could use Guardian on them and you can bring IRG with Palpatine. But um yeah, uh, you know, you don't really need the IRG. So, I, no. I, importantly, in this list too, there is no health support for help either. There's no guardian not. or medics. He seems to play based on the presence of guidance and the lack of anger. I mean, yeah. Finn, Finn can tell me otherwise if you're listening, Finn. But, um, based on this list, I read this as a much more passive use of Palpatine than is typical. Yep. I mean, I he does. He does have burst of speed. Yeah, I suspect that that's probably not. I don't know. Well, it it feels to me like if if one of the dark troopers starts feel, falling down, like you probably have to have Palpatine get in there. Right? Sure. Yeah. Well, and Palp also has force push, so like I'm sure Palp like turn five six is belt moving, pushing something, and just frying everything else. Yeah. That's an interesting choice because personally, having played Palpatine a lot historically, I have trouble getting him to range one of anything. Um, I much prefer barrier on him, but which, by the way, still works on dark troopers. It does. Yeah, it does. Um, yeah, I don't know. I would be interested to to know more about that, but definitely yeah. interesting in that we you know we talked about dark troopers last week. I think. Um, a little bit and here they are turning their ugly heads a week later you know? yeah but uh of course he did go five and one so mm -hmm. that also reinforces our previous conversation about dark troopers yeah. um yep. the six and oh list the winner of the event was johannes also a very good german player so and he run he ran yoda yep yoda yoda arts with with some twisty stuff on it to be honest, um, only one full arc team echoes in the full arc. Did take a strike team, but no echo in it. Um, you know, took some medics, took Boyle, but he's really only got four, like, uh, more than you know, like two man shooters, which is just less than I'm comfortable running generally. So, um, personally. it's definitely it's definitely more beef though, right? He's got two medics and Boyle. The squads themselves uh, are beefier, yes, yep. for sure, for sure. Um, and there are is more native surge tokens in this list than than others, um, just because you've got you know phase two reliable going down on your your big chonkers, um, plus the clone commander. So there's a lot of surge tokens for sure. You get three off the bat plus two more later. Yeah. Well, he and he doesn't have guidance. So yep. he has burst of speed instead of guidance. So that also means potentially a more aggressive Yoda. It's it's notable that um I don't know how many of you keep track of this, but I do. 
and the the number of surge tokens that a list that a republic list natively has access to in almost all of the good lists the number is five without command cards yep yeah that sounds right whether it's coming from force guidance or the clone commander or wherever like the the number of surge tokens you can generate per turn is almost always five and which is just interesting because it's not like a thing that we ever talk about or whatever and i see like people you know continents away from each other deciding on basically the same thing and and all of the choices that all the choices are sort of kind of different but it all boils down to the same number every time and it's all five and and usually you want three off the bat yeah three three off the bat means that you're whether whether it's guidance or um bolster um will have time to activate before you run out of search tokens for defensive purposes. Yep. Just an interesting thing that I'm this is triggering me to remember. Yeah, it's always interesting when like multiple players from different communities kind of land in the same spot organically, right? Yep. And it's not this isn't a copy paste situation because this is frankly a very different list than like super, your super your version, Mike, yeah. but um, ends up in the same place with a lot of those metric key metrics, even though the units makeup itself is different. So, yeah. All right. Um, yeah, we're not going to hit all the all the Nordic stuff there. Um, there were quite a few five and ones. There were what six six that went at least five and one or better. There was a rebel on there that was uh. Leia, Cassian, Ahsoka, and triple full Rebel Commandos. So as a fellow full Rebel Commando enjoyer, thumbs up. That was Richard Rasmussen. So yeah, who, who would have thought worth, today? Worth noting yep. the top eight. There was three three Empire in the top eight. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, the other two Empire besides Finn, Kevin Jones, and Patrick Wally. And then Alexander Heatmuller. I apologize if I butchered that. Uh, was also Republic. So, yep. Interesting, was- given given how terrible we saw Empire do at PAX. Yeah, for sure. That was why I was bringing it up. It is. Yep. It, it is still predominantly a Gar topic. Um, fifty percent, but um, <clears throat> no separatists. Again, that, that doesn't like, surprise me. Yeah. Yeah, one of the other Empire lists was a was a Blizzard Force with Vader, and then um, uh, the third one, let's see, that was Kevin Jones, and then the third one was um, Patrick. Yeah, Patrick Wally, which was Veers. It was a Veers Blizzard Force. Okay, so two Blizzard Force and double darks. So I mean, nothing, nothing crazy from a. I mean the darks, I suppose, but um, Blizzard the Force double is darks still good. Is pretty crazy, yeah. Blizzard, Blizzard Force, Force is still, still good, good. Yeah. right? Um, oh my god, crazy! <laughs> turns out. <laughs> All right, should we talk? So our main topic, since we got Geonosians coming out on Friday, is going to be we're going to do this Droids One Hundred and One, which we have not done yet. So, so you're telling me we're, Geonosians are coming out, so we're talking about droids. <laughs> Sorry, yes. separatists. Separatists one oh one. Um so some of our past episodes, we're gonna um we're we're gonna try not to make this like a tier list of units, though of course we're gonna end up kind of framing the conversation around the units that get most commonly used, because those are the units that are good and people bring to competitive events, which of course is our focus. So are we done? <laughs> <laughs> How long have you had that one like rattling around in there? I, that to... was that was an off the cuff. Okay, <laughs> I don't think that's fair. Um, I think I think Separatist has enough good units to make a good competitive list, but I mean, you can't tell me that like Magnus and Cadbane are bad units. They're good units that, unfortunately fall flat i think in the larger scope of the whole but yeah i mean yeah we'll see if geonosians shake this up 
Anyways, um, that's, that's, I, I, I didn't mean to bury us there. <laughs> <I> just... <laughs> Open Droids 101 with a downer. Droids 101, <laughs> don't play droids. The... Well, thanks for joining us today. <laughs> I'm Mike. <laughs> the, the big reality right now is that with Republic being ascendant, Republic kind of hunts droids because Republic can throw a lot of dice, which is how you deal with a lot of droids. And also the like quality of shooting that Zebradis put out, you know, not a ton of pierce, uh, not a ton of really good quality shooting. It's a lot of like, eh, throw a bunch of st- stuff at the wall and see what sticks. Um, and that just doesn't really work against the current like meta garless in general. So <clears throat> I think where I'd like to start with this okay, is to talk about what I think people should be doing that I don't see people doing. Okay, um, that's... because because I think I think that that's like a big one of one of you know, look, we're not all knowing, but I definitely like I look at tournament results, and uh, separatists are like not doing great, but they're not like bad enough to be, like. Like I'm, I'm just sorry. I'm scrolling down the list in in this Nordic tournament, trying to find a separatist player, um, and I'm like at thirty, and still sorry, twenty fourth. Twenty fourth was the first one. The best record for a separatist player is like three and three, and that's that's not good. That's not good, and I don't think it's representative. To be very clear, and. Um, I don't think they're great, but I do think people are not leaning into the things that they do well right now. I think the things that they do well right now are operating in the range for critical band. That is where they want to be. Yep. That means you're taking um, the range for B1 crit gun. That's like red, white crit one. I forget the name of it. They're all E something. I think it's, like it's e- the E5S. E5S. You like, you should be, you should have, if you're running, Without Geonosians, let's, I, let's talk for a minute with without Geonosians. Yep. Um, <clears throat> you should be running six of those. B2s are not good enough to make the cut the mustard at the moment. Um, nor, be, nor are B1 heavies besides that one. Correct. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. I think that they're in some metas, you can make an argument for the rocket, but overall, I think the crit gun is, is where you want to be. Like, I see a one of rocket on your like uplink squad or something. Um, <clears throat> And then, and then you want to support that with things like Bosk, um, range four critical magna guard, um, with the rocket, with the rocket, yeah, things things that can lean into that. Um, that's where you're gonna win your games is firing at range four with those critical shots and being able to ice a bunch of things through defenses. Um, are there some lists that you're gonna have a really hard time into? like outmaneuver like shadow collect the issue is and this is i think kind of what it boils down to is that like that list sort of gets hard countered by like shadow collective pike gun lines like it literally can't do any damage to it um but i think against everything else it's very good it's excellent um i think some of my hardest matchups is yoda playing yoda lately has been against range four separatist gun lines playing bosk um because boss and, and the gun line just generates enough crits and you don't really have the mitigation for crits you can deal with the, the normal stuff um but <clears throat> unless you're doing like the sam McHenry sp- spam out maneuver on all your clone core units which is very expensive tim you do that too um yep you know unless you're, you're doing that like you're going to be able to to make a game of the guard matchups for sure if you're leaning into that strategy yeah, I tend to agree. And that's what I mean by like they do have stuff that's good. Um yeah. and they they can, you know, we we've we did our Rebels 101 and we did our Empire 101 and the conversation was sort of similar in that both Rebel and Empire are are good at spamming that long range critical, long range high velocity, long range pierce. Separatists can't really do the high velocity slash pierce thing as well. I mean, it's worth noting that AATs are still a thing, um, but it's super expensive to include AATs. Um, you never, ever, 
ever getting an out of cover shot with them anymore. Uh, since you're drawing like a six inch wide beam towards your target. Um, and you have minimum ranges. And you have minimum ranges. So it's not like you can just touch the cover and then, you know, yeah. take like a one inch point blank shot on the thing. Um, doesn't mean that they're bad necessarily. I have not seen AATs succeed in any capacity since the cover changes. But, you know, because you'd think like a high velocity weapon like that would be great into like a dodge spam meta, but it's just, they just, it's they just don't do enough. Not enough dice. But yeah, pound for pound, it just, it, it's the damage output. It's, it's not, it, it gets past the defenses, right? Like it, it, outside of the armor save. Correct. Right. Right. Like it, it get it gets past the cover. It gets past the barrier. It gets but, past but dodge. Like but four, maybe five. Right. Four, maybe five. And you're, you're paying like 180 for it. And when they're saving three of the four, maybe five. Yeah. That's not a great. And that's that's great. without barrier, right? That's it's, yes. it's four, maybe five, just with the cover reduction, and then it's you know two, maybe three after barrier, and then it's like all right, you kill one clone, on average. Yeah, sometimes um, you spike it and get lucky, and it still doesn't feel very good. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it's um, AATs, unfortunately, sad, but um, yeah, B ones with the crit gun, good, Bosk, good. I think Cad Bane still good uh he's not particularly great specifically into the yoda matchup but he's just a good disruptive useful piece generally he's very difficult to kill he's very good at objectives um most people don't have a lot of experience against him and they don't know what to do <laughs> which is a real advantage so magnas obviously are great super tough they have a good range for a critical gun but they can mix it up in close range if they get there so um Steps, I think, still a little unexplored. You know, they went up in price a little bit. Uh, I do think you have to run them with somebody that's running aggressive tactics. Otherwise, they're just, they just evaporate because of their t-shirt saves. You got to be able to give them, like, at least an Empire Speeder bike save. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I think that's generally, I agree with you, Mike. I think that's what they should be leaning into. But if we're not talking about Gene Oceans, Gene Oceans, I think, potentially shake it up a lot. But They definitely uh, shake up the versatility of what you can be doing. Uh, I think it's unclear on whether they're, like, good enough or, you know, what what exactly they're they're bringing to the faction um, and in what ways you should be taking them. Um, but I do think that if, if we're not talking about Gene Oceans, lean into the range four stuff, you're not going to win the range three gunfights. It's just, it's just not a thing. Your B1s are going to die. Because yep. that's what they're good at. Or your yeah. B2s if you're not. Right, yeah. Both of them are going to die. Yes. Everything's yeah. going to die. Everything is going to die. White saves, yeah. The, the like t-shirt white saves are, are in a <laughs> rough spot with volume of dice. Um, I mean, how do you guys feel about uh, spider droids? They're too expensive these days. There's a lot of dodges around. There are. Yeah, I th I don't know if it's a cost issue so much as just as like their weapons are not effective into what you need them to be. Issue, clearly, like, I mean, particularly the the ion gun is still very good into a lot of matchups. Like any situation where your opponent has vehicles or droids that are important. You're going to be like super happy to have those. Uh, still pretty good into just generally as a weapon into things that don't have a lot of dodges. But the scariest stuff right now in the meta has dodges. So, um, you know, I, I could actually see them like naked <laughs> because they do block line of sight now. Of course, you can do that with the Droidicus too. Um, but just naked, if your opponent shoots them, you do the self-destruct thing, which I have really not seen people using. Which is um, which is very very good if you get it off. Yeah, it's it's such a narrow band of when you can do it is the problem. Yeah, no, that's fair. Which I think is a good thing because it is like a devastatingly powerful attack. Oh yeah, so, if you get hit with that, if you if you get like your entire army hit with that, you should lose the game generally. Yeah. Um, you know, I you could make a case for him naked, I guess. 
or with flamethrowers. <laughs> if you're running a super aggro list where you want to like hide behind them and run up. But generally speaking, yeah, I I don't know. If I'm if I'm choosing a separatist support unit to run, it stabs. Yep. That's fair. I know we said we were gonna tier list separatist units, but I think we just kind of did. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, so we always do. We we we're we're framing the conversation. Dooku and Ventress, uh I think already kind of severely hurt by the choke, mostly the choke, but also the deflect nerf. And then with Inquisitors shortly becoming a thing, they're just gonna be like totally irrelevant in my opinion. But I think I think that those things are true. I also think that with with the separatist army really not wanting to move to close engagement ranges ever, it makes it difficult to screen your force users in a way that is effective. Like you know, they Dooku, Asajj, Maul, they don't do anything supportive. Like literal zero. Um, I mean, I guess you can put like force barrier on Dooku, I guess. But um oh, great. So, what are you bearing? That's worth it. Right. You're like bearing a B1. Like <laughs> <laughs> good job. Your 200 point unit saved a five point model. Um so they kind of have to be mixing it up. But in order to mix it up, like you gotta like generate some tempo often to get them in there. And I the separatists are more they feel a little bit more like um responding to the situation as opposed to starting it these days i think um i mean one of their big strengths we can uh, let's parlay this into overall strengths and weaknesses is generally perfect order control or close to it yeah you you should be building your separatist list and again geonotions should be an exception to this but generally and I, i think they may even follow this rule to some degree which we can get into but um Generally speaking, you should be setting up your list to have very close to perfect order control. You do that primarily by taking a lot of B1s as your core because coordinate gets you like 90% of the way there. Yep. You need to make sure you have a plan to kick that off every turn. So if you've got like a bounty hunter that has, you know, bounty hunter cards that you want to play and you're not talking about Cad Bane with the comms relay, you're going to need some kind of direct or an uplink or something like that. Um, you need to make sure based on your token count that like when that chain is kicked off, that once you're done giving out all your orders, that your bag is is pretty lean or has just one token type in it. Or two two of you got improv. Right. If you got improv, you can kind of like um, you know, hack hack the, the bag system a little bit. Um, you know, you see the, the that a lot with like Cad Bang Magnet Cad Bang Cad Bane <laughs> Magnus. Um because it's usually, you know, particularly if you're running like three magnets, it's pretty difficult to get all of them in order. But if if you've got a situation where you just have like Cad Bane and a Magna in your bag, then you still functionally have perfect order control if you take improvised orders. So, um, yeah, just make sure that you you have the right unit mix and the right token mix and the right access to free orders to have something close to or like. Not even close to you. You really should have perfect order control every turn, unless you're running Geo Notions. Yep. So, um, and you know, you alluded to tempo, like that kind of goes hand in hand with that. In that, unlike nearly every other faction, you should be able to have not only like a single, but like a solid group of timing sensitive units that can just go exactly when they need to go. Yeah. So. And and I would say even from like a competitive standpoint, um, you like if you're taking B ones, and you're like, I mean, you you got to put orders on them not only for the order control, but so that AI attack doesn't trigger. Yeah. Because good opponents will screw you. Yes, one hundred percent. Um, and I I just like don't want to undersell that because. Um, if if I see that you've made a mistake with your B1s, the first thing I'm going to do is make sure that, like, yeah, I screw up what you're doing, like, 110% by making sure your AI triggers in a way that you don't want it to. Yep. Um, so, so, so you're not only doing it for the order control, you're also doing it so that you don't hit, have the drawbacks of your, your keywords actually bite you 
because the v1 is cute drawback is actually large it's very large yeah and i know people are like well they have perfect order control so it never triggers but you need to it is a drawback to have to build in to both your list construction but also like your positioning and stuff build in the fact that you need to be able to chain all those orders every turn um you know it, it places a lot of restrictions on how you can build your list and how you can move around after the game starts I think that I think that's an important, an important call out because one of the first things I do when I'm playing against separatists is I look for like a B1 squad in the chain that is clearly the only B1 squad that can spread orders like over a channel. And yeah. if I remove it, like after you're kind of unable to do anything about it, all of a sudden it does one of two things. It dictates like which command cards you can play next turn, which often means that you can't play a one pip because you need you you're like kind of struggling for order control and you've got to like start two chains as opposed to one. So you got to play like you know two or three. Or you're playing a one pip and a bunch of your stuff's gonna be on AI. Both both scenarios which are good good for your opponent, right? Um yeah. Yeah so, the, good good. Yeah the, the counter to that as a separatist player is to do with your B1s what I like to call honeycombing, mm-hmm. which basically means that like it's a the easiest way to think of it is you want to have like two lines of B1s, but basically using cohesion, because it's important to remember that pretty much all measuring in Legion is done from many to many and not from unit leader to many or unit leader to unit leader, except for attacks. Which, of course, is the most common thing that you measure range for, which is why it's like this misconception. But I've seen people have this misunderstanding that like measuring range is always from a unit leader. But it's actually not, except for attacking. But that's important for coordinate, because you can use cohesion to spread out your dudes. Um, but by honeycombing, I mean, but you basically make it so that like there's a lot of overlap between your units, and if one unit gets eliminated, it doesn't break your chain. You're building in redundancy, right? Yeah. One is none. Two is one. Yeah. If you only have, if you only have one unit that is your cornerstone, well, you don't have a cornerstone. Yeah. Yep. And that just means positionally, when you're thinking about how you're going to approach the table, how you're going to approach your objectives, etc., you need to kind of understand that like you're not going to be able to really split up your core chain of units. It's definitely easier with the new climb rules because V1s can go over stuff. Yeah. more easily whereas previously like if you had like a building or something in the middle of your chain you'd be like all right which side of this building am i gonna have to walk around <laughs> right. and you don't have much choice in the matter like you you gotta you gotta whatever you go with you're stuck with right but it's still something you have to sort of keep in mind is that you know you're not going to be like flanking or doing a bunch of different things with your b1s like your b1s are going to be collectively and this is on theme for the faction, but your B1s are going to be collectively like one ginormous unit that kind of does one thing, whatever that one thing is. So, you know, that doesn't mean you should move them in a blob. You can still kind of utilize like a, a line, but your line has to be still kind of tight. So, um, yeah. So the primary strength, obviously, order control. Uh, we kind of mentioned some in in-hand weaknesses there being AI, you should, like Mike said, avoid that ever happening, ever, especially AI attack. AI attack is uniquely bad. The other ones are still, like, pretty bad. You know, there are some, like, AI moves that are... They're inconvenient. Inconvenient. I would describe them as inconvenient. They're generally, like, this is suboptimal, but I can make it work. When the AI attack goes off and your opponent has set it up so that you only can see one model in the unit you're shooting at, or, like, or you can only shoot with like just your leader. <laughs> yeah, or or you or you want to move or something instead of attacking. Yeah. Yeah, it's super bad. You you can quite very easily lose a game on AI attack if you need to double move something to get it on a point or whatever. Yep. My favorite one is when people use B1s as a hot do do not ever use B1s as a hostage if you cannot get them in order on the first turn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's so bad. I um Yeah. No. Don't don't ever don't ever do it. It's, it's so bad. And bear in mind that your opponent is going to get to place and cohere that unit for purposes of like attempting to get them in order. So, you know, if you got an uplink unit, use that. If you got some B twos with a T series, use that. Try and avoid using like vanilla B ones for 
a hostage unit unless you're sure that the deployment is going to allow you to give them an order on the first turn. Um, and on the on the subject of like uplink units and um, things that are giving you your free orders, um, you really need to make an effort to protect them. That's like yeah. that should be something you're doing. Whether it whether it's a T series standing behind a wall in your deployment zone all game, um, <clears throat> or it's your B one squad with the HQ uplink, which is is possibly even more fragile because a lot of times you feel like you need it out there contributing to the fight. Like you need to make sure that you're protecting those units. Um, they need to be like the farthest things back. You need to be able to punish your opponent for going at them because those are the first units they're going to go after. If if they can get to them, they're going to kill them. Yep. And generally, I know this sounds weird because they're so cheap, but you should you, like you need to try and protect your B ones. B ones are important and relevant. <laughs> if you if you don't maintain your activation count, the perfect order control becomes a lot less effective, yep. right? Um, if you go from having 10x or 11x to 8 or 9, all of a sudden you're like, yeah, I have perfect order control, but I'm not able to effectively leverage it into like having boss go last or getting, you know, my force user to go last every turn if my opponent's starting to go before, like gets to go after my finishing moves. Um, it's, so It's also yeah. massively different to enter the late game with three and four man B1 squads then seven or eight or like sorry six or seven man B1 squads because like if you if you enter like turn six in key positions with like healthy B1 squads not many armies can actually at that point knock them off the table because there's just not enough dice left but if they're all three or four wounds whatever well most armies have units that can knock that off the table at the end of the game I mean, three or four man units means I'm I'm split firing to kill yeah. multiple units in, <laughs> in one shot. Like, seriously, yeah. like I I I think um in my last game against Cirillo, I I took a full arc squad and I deleted like two B one act acts and one activation because I split fired and fire supported one of the split fires and it just like you know I took eight dice from the arcs at like range two and. They killed one, and then I took the sniper and a fire support and killed the other squad. And it's just like keeping keeping bodies in those squads is important. Otherwise, you can kind of clip them very easily in the late, later stages of the game for kind of free. Yeah, killing three to four B1s in one shot, even if you're not talking about fire supports and it's, or arcs, it's still like very easily doable. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And particularly because there's a lot of sharpshooter running around right now. Yeah. Not even not arcs aside, like people running full commandos. You know, like um, there's a lot of heroes out there with sharpshooter right now. You know, full commandos will pick up a four man B one squad. Like, oh yeah, mm -hmm. because you're not getting cover from suppression. So yeah. Um, and I do think, as an aside, uh, you do need to figure out kind of have a game plan for your cover situation these days. Um, unlike. I think a lot of the other factions, the separatists, I think maybe have been hurt by the cover rules, perhaps the most. Um, yeah, be because one hundred percent they there's more light cover on a lot of these boards now, um, and light cover for them is like uniquely bad because that that light cover for everybody else is light cover plus a suppression now it's heavy and but for droids it's still light cover right and so sharpshooter is just kind of like eating through it um yeah so, so you you need to make sure that you know which ones are heavy cover and and i would i would recommend sticking towards pick one to fight around if, if at all possible yeah now you you definitely can utilize a single piece of cover much more easily with like large unit multiple large units of B ones than you used to be able to, um, but yeah, just keep in mind those cover types. Yeah, pick pick like if you if there's a couple barricades on the table, if there's like a decent sized heavy cover line of sight blocker that has like sticky out bits, yep, um, that you can clip with your bases, pick that. You know, use that as like a, this is the area where my B ones are gonna go. Um, it is important to mention as a strength because you mentioned the fact that they don't get suppression they don't get cover from suppression uh, they also like don't lose actions to suppression yes they can they can still panic which is relevant uh, 
but you know making it so that like most of their units suppression is like a bookkeeping tool until you get to that panic threshold is is pretty relevant you know your b1s unlike most other courage one core units are going to be able to get two actions a turn your magnas are going to be able to get you know i mean obviously their courage too but even if they get slapped with a mortar or something like there's no danger of them only getting one action so yeah and i would go as far as to say like I wouldn't even worry about the suppression on your B1s at all. If they have four suppression tokens, they're dead. That's uh, true. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. like, um, so like I would, you know, if they if they're panicking at that point, that's a bonus. Like, you know, uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, these guys are still alive. They're yes. still there. <laughs> you know, uh so but yeah i mean and and to go back to your point tim about keeping them kind of in larger bodies at the end game like that's part of the reason why right like so you can mass a kp or breakthrough late in the game and just like double move double move turn five and turn six if you if you have to um obviously you'd probably like to only do that on turn six um into a situation where like your opponent can't actually slow you down because you're able to just kind of force your way onto the, onto KPs. Yeah, Droid's sort of uniquely good at breakthrough for that reason. Um, and generally speaking, objectives where you have to move, even yeah. if even if they're just a bunch of trooper units. So, you know, you, I will say, as separatists, you you definitely have to think about the objective deck, and your battle cards. I think more so than. You know, there are a lot of like Empire and Republic lists in particular where they can just kind of go straight to 800 and be like, whatever, I don't care about the battle cards. I think that's true of Separatists. Um, there are certain conditions that are super good for you that you want, like fortified positions. Yep. Um, and then generally speaking, there are objectives that you really don't want, like hostage. I can't think of a single like reasonably good droid list that is good at hostage. <laughs> I mean, um, I don't know. Like, I played like Duke or Maul, but that's kind of a different animal. Sure, but I mean, we're talking about stuff that, you, like, generally speaking, you want to be taking. If yes, you're yes, if yeah, you're yeah, running, yeah, yeah, yeah. if you're running Duke and Maul, then yeah, you probably want hostage in your deck. But that's also a situation where where you're probably going to try and be running an objective skew that favors the fact that you have Duke and Maul, which is going to be like recover hostage. Hundred percent. So. Um, I do think that it's worth noting that like you you can play recover specifically if you've got like Cad Bane like you got to be or even a Geonosian unit or even a Geonosian mm -hmm. unit. Um, are we are we turning turning Geonosians on right now? Yeah, let's turn Geonosians on. Yeah. So before you had mentioned that um. Geonosians, you still want perfect order control. Can you talk more about that? Um, yeah. I mean, Geonosians are super fast, but they're also still range two. And keeping in theme with the faction, they're made of peanut brittle. <laughs> <laughs> they have no special defensive tech. Uh, they have white saves. And they have, unlike B1s, they have a low model count as well. So, you know, they're, they're like... On a on a for cost basis, they're like even more fragile than B ones are yes. when they get shot. So that means that even though they're core units, they are extremely timing sensitive. And uh, there are multiple paths to perfect or close to perfect order control. Um, clearly, the the biggest one is to just like give everything orders with a coordinate chain. Geonosians can do that on their on the Poggle's two pip turn. But like the other five turns, you're gonna need a plan to to do what is referred to as reverse sorting, which basically means that like you put one or maybe two token types in your bag, and then even if you only have a handful of orders on the table, those handful of orders are like to things that are not those other token types. So an example of this would be like a Geonosian list with stats where you give the orders to the staffs, whether you do it with an uplink on one of the staffs, whether you do it with a card or direct or whatever, you give the order to the staffs, the staffs coordinate to each other. Maybe you give a card order to like your commander, whether that's a super tactical droid or Poggle or whoever. And then, you know, that's four orders out. If you've got six Geonosians, that's the rest of your list. 
then all you've got in your bag is core tokens and those are your G notions. So um, they are, uh, it, I think we'll see, it's going to depend on how good death from above ends up being, like how they, how they word that. Um, but G notions appear to be extremely timing sensitive and that's unusual for a core unit. I would say it's extremely unique for a core unit. You could make an argument for like B2s, but B2s are at least like reasonably durable compared to these guys. So they can chunk a couple hits before you feel terrible about like, <clears throat> like if, if your opponent gets a hold of a geo unit, it's going to die or it's mostly going to die. Right. Um, and it, it, it's effectiveness will definitely be shot. Yeah, even if you only lose like half the unit, that's still a significant blow to your ability to like actually do damage. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it, you're still going to need a plan. I think with like if you're spamming Geonosians, you're going to need a plan to make sure that you have reasonable control over when they're going. Um, if you're not spamming Geonosians, like if you just have one to two in your list, say for recover supplies, you have to kind of like. Keep in mind how that's going to muddy your order control and your plan for the rest of your list. You're probably going to want improvised orders in there. You know, you might have to take one less Magna Guard or Cad Bane or whatever else would otherwise be in your bag. So, because you're going to have core core units in your bag, which is unusual for separate displayers. Yes. <clears throat> I think they could be great. I think they could be worth that drawback. Um, but we'll see. We'll see how Death from Above comes out. We'll see how people use them. I don't want to like immediately dismiss or crown them as amazing until we see them in action a little more. But one thing is clear to me, and it's that they're going to be very time insensitive. So very. And they're also going to <clears throat> the first couple months of them could also not be indicative of their long term stasis in the game because i think they're also like first time you get a triple like an army of triple movers against you you're not going to know what to do with against it yes right just just as ewoks had some like really big initial success and now kind of like evened out to like you know you can do some things with them but like you don't surprise people in the same way i think geos are going to have their have their moment of surprise and then then we'll see what they're actually made of Yeah, I tend to agree. All right. Any any further thoughts on like general separatist tips? Yes, hundred percent. Okay. I think we haven't talked about the best thing about separatists. Okay, go on. Drum roll. What wow. is it, guys? I'll give you a hint. Okay. It ends in droids. Brides. Kim? I don't know. Snail? Experimental droids. Oh, oh yeah, it's... obviously. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. See, Battle Forces, I wasn't even like, <laughs> you know. Um, I think experimental droids are very good. Um and I think that's actually borne out in the yes. handful of like appearances that they've had. And we're we're talking, by the way, about the BX focused version of them the bx right? yes yeah we're, we're talking about um B, bx droids in in the uh in the list um basically you're utilizing the uh battle force mechanics to turn uh bx shots into like range five four die um it's firing awesome. platforms often there's a bunch of other things you can do um with it that makes it very flexible um but I think uh, I think it's a very unique way to run droids. I think it still leans into the range game. I don't think yes. that's a that's a coincidence. Um, <clears throat> you know, it's the the fact that it's really based around a bunch of range five shooters is not not by uh, chance. Um, so you definitely still need to be leaning into that. Like, don't don't lead into like the prototype Magna stuff. That's a trap. They're bad. But you know, snail is even worse. Yeah. Um, it's funny because like that seems what Battle Force is supposed to be about, but um, whatever. 
so but yeah no i think experimental droids is really uh a good place to be i i recommend messing around with it you know um, i've seen a bunch of people messing around with droid decas even you know all of a sudden yeah. droid decas firing eight dice as opposed to six you know that's a that's that's a big deal you know and you can like feed the main tokens and stuff um just make sure you build them tall enough to to actually hit a trooper silhouette height so that yes. they can block line of sight. Absolutely. Uh, um, but modeling for advantage is a no-no. It's not modeling for advantage because it depends on how you position the legs. And I'm not talking about any sort of crazy like stretching the legs to a different height. No. Like their natural model build height is so close in either direction to like that silhouette height. I've had I've had countless people after they came out with that ruling, you know, like 50% of people were like, oh, look, my droidicas are tall enough to block line of sight. And the other half was like, oh, look, my droidicas are not tall enough to block line of sight. And they used the same pieces. Um, yep. I would know, make sure like, you you'd clarify with your opponent before the game begins yeah. like how tall your droidicas are. Even if they're not tall enough to block line of sight, like, like I don't know, clarify it. Um, yeah. I personally, I think it should. I don't know how you would do this, but it should be like all one way or the other. <laughs> yes, 100%. I think they should just block line of sight. Like if we're saying Dreadnoughts are X, X height, yeah, they just block line of sight, period. They, Stamp it, right? One silhouette um, high. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's super annoying that they happen to be like right, right yeah. there at that exact spot. It's so, not ideal. That's for it's sure. It's not. Yeah. Um, but they do get a lot better in the experimental droids. Um, yep. so recommend checking that out. You can all, all of a sudden like speed to move them and then shoot, you know, um, while not entering wheel mode and stuff like that, um, which makes them significantly more flexible as a combat, uh, and just kind of like initiating fights and engagements and things of that nature. Um, I, I do wonder with the decas. How much yeah. of it is the fact that there's just like nothing better to put in that slot in an experimental droid list? I I think that that's a big part of it. I'm I'm not saying that it's like they're the like end all be all. Like the BX droids are definitely the thing that's making that list kind of hum, right? Yeah. Um. But I'm gonna be honest. Like droid pools that are chucking eight dice all of a sudden feel a lot more threatening. Like, it's not it's not nothing, you know. Um, yeah. you, you tack two dice on any die pool, right? Like the the BX full pool at range three, all of a sudden is like twelve dice. I mean, imagine that concept with like Rebel or Empire snipers. It would be it'd be bonkers. It's yeah. so much fun. <laughs> Boba does it. It's so right. much fun. Uh, but he only does one dice though, and just for one turn. I know. Yeah. And it's great. <laughs> right and that's the thing so yeah i would recommend people check it out um if, if you're if you're having um trouble with droids that's kind of like i'm i'm presently building an experimental droids army slowly slowly but surely um so you'll have them done right when they get uh nerfed i don't i don't it's not don't like a, they, they it's not a, a yeah this is not okay. something that's gonna be nerfed at least in the present meta um i'm just feeling sassy tonight uh, that's fair. Um, there's I think really... if anything, it could yeah. get buffed sort of by accident, in that like several of the units in that battle force, up to and including, I think, BX droids are like not great nor under normal circumstances. Yeah, hundred percent. Dakas yep. being the other clear example. Um, so, yeah, I think it B twos. You know, you can take B twos in that. Uh, yeah. I wouldn't necessarily expect like the special magnus or the special snail to get buffed, but it, it could become sort of better by accident if separatists just get like a general glow up. Totally. 100% agree. I'm not sure what that glow up possibly could be at this point, but, <laughs> but we'll see. I have some ideas, but yeah, this is okay. not a, it's not a glow up podcast. Yeah. Okay. All right. Maybe, maybe that'll be next week. There you go. How do you fix separatists? <laughs> Yeah. Um all right. Well, any further thoughts? Nope. Well, I think uh you know, trilogy and oceans. Um yep. I, I would I would say um, you know, 
keep trying things. I think separatists have a lot of unexplored room in them still, you know, uh, I think, you know, I think continuing past worlds, we'll probably see another like points rebalancing and stuff like they'll, they, they will, the road will turn on this. And until then play the range for stuff and see what happens. Yep. Yep. I agree. Bosk is still good. Bosk is still Bosk isn't good, Kyle. He's great. Okay. Yep. <laughs> Bosk Bosk is like maybe dare I say the best character in the game. That's a uh... I think I think you could make the case that he's the best bounty hunter in the current environment. Easily. Um I don't know that I would I think I think that's a much more fraught debate to say that he's the best character in the game. But 105 points, man. It's good. It's a Pretty it's good. a bargain, in it's, my opinion, for what you're getting. Shall we call it the Inquisitor price point? <laughs> we almost made it the whole episode. Uh I don't know. I think there are some situations where I'd still rather Bosk. That's what I'm saying. Well, at range four, I guess. I mean, you could take all three, and it wouldn't be that expensive. <laughs> but that's a conversation uh, for another day. All right. Well, we are the Notorious Scoundrels of Kyle. I'm Mike. I'm Timbo. Stay fresh, cheese bags. Have fun at LVO. Yep. Good luck, everyone.